Let's come to God's word. We're reading in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to start at verse 18. If, if you're using the Bibles in the chairs in front of you, it's 1089, I think is the page number on those red Bibles anyway. John chapter 20, and we're going to start at verse 18. Jesus has been to the cross. He has been tortured and hung up and crucified there. His body has been laid in a tomb. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And so this is the day of the resurrection we're going to read about in uh, John chapter 20. From verse 18, first of all, Mary Magdalene we start with. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Moving on to verse 24. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, are, these ones are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I've always been struck by that little phrase uh, when Jesus turned to Thomas and said, see my hands. And as I look closer in the passage that we've read, there was always something that seemed just a little bit strange to me. Mary Magdalene had seen Jesus. She said, well, I've seen the Lord. And then Jesus appears to his disciples. And well, I'm not sure what their reaction was, but I read that Jesus showed them his hands and his side. I'm thinking, but surely they know Jesus. As he stands in front of them, these are men who have been with Jesus for three and a half years. They've walked with him. They've talked with him. They've listened to him. They know him. And yet, as he stands in front of them, he shows them his hands and his side. 
And the strangeness goes on because there's Thomas, who wasn't with them that first day. And even though those people, those disciples told Thomas, each one of them, we've seen the Lord. Yes, we've seen him. We've seen him. We've seen him. We've seen the Lord. (laughs) Poor Thomas. He says, well, I can't believe it. Seems strange, doesn't it? Here are his friends, the ones that he knows again, that he's been with all this time. And yet they tell him, each one of them tell him, I've seen the Lord. He says, I won't believe. But then I notice again, he says, I won't believe unless I see the nail prints in his hands. He doesn't say, I won't believe unless I see him. It's, I want to see the nail prints in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were. (laughs) I smiled because seven days later, Thomas is still with the disciples. He hasn't left them, the company of God's people, even though uh, he doesn't believe them and won't believe it for himself. But Jesus, as Jesus stands in front of them, he turns to Thomas. After he says, peace be unto you, he turns to Thomas. He doesn't say, here I am, Thomas, do you see me? He says, put your finger here, see my hands. What is it about the hands of Jesus that seem to be so important at his resurrection? He's there in in flesh and blood. He's standing in front of them. But he wants to show them his hands. Thomas says, I won't believe unless I see his hands. And so Jesus shows him his hands. Started a, a study for myself just looking at what was so special about these hands. There's so many things we can think of immediately about the hands of Jesus. Let's look at some of those things. I've got my pieces of paper here, and I wonder if some can help. I wonder if Harry would help and Peter maybe. Would you help? And uh, you're honored today. You've got color and even pictures on it today. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Harry, Peter. This is just part of my own study, and maybe I might encourage you to do a study yourself. If you turn to the side that starts hands that created. Because that's probably one of the first things that we think of when we think of the hands of Jesus. Those hands that created. I loved it when I read in what the writer to the Hebrews said, 
uh, in chapter 1. And there he's quoting God himself speaking to his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's speaking to him, and he says to him, In the beginning, O Lord, God calling Jesus um, his son, O Lord, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Hands that created. David the psalmist uh, loved that idea, that thought of God creating with his hands. You will remember in Psalm 8, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. I, I, I know as I was reading those verses, I thought I would love to have been there to see him set that universe in place and put those stars and the planets there. You know, we see a lot on our televisions today of what they're able to, to show us of the universe and our own earth and the marvelous things that we can see about God's creation. I would love to have seen him working at that, just creating all of that. What an artist uh, that God has as he has created. In fact, he himself said, and we read in Isaiah 45, this is God himself who says, it is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their, heaven, their starry hosts. Just in case there's some people on those television programs that try and uh, convince us or to try to tell us that it all happened by accident, it was a big bang or whatever. God makes it very clear. He says, it was I who made the earth. I who created mankind, my own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. And it's those hands that continue to sustain. Again, it's Hebrews that tells us that it's the hands of the Lord Jesus that continue to sustain this universe around us. All things. In fact, he tells us he's in total control. Uh, it's the psalmist again, David, who says, my times are in your hands. Even our times, he's in total control. The day that I'm born, the day that I die, it's all in his hands. Jesus himself, when he was here on earth, uh, he reminded us, who of you by worrying can add a single R even to your life? Our times are in his hands. And that's not just the span of our lives. That's day by day, our times, whatever we're going through, whether it's here in Northern Ireland or, or in Ukraine or wherever else. We are in his hands. Our lives are in his hands. Our times, difficult times, good times, they're in his hands. His hands keep us safe. Don't we love that uh, from John chapter 10 when the good shepherd talks about his sheep? I give my sheep eternal life. They will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And again, the psalmist David says, your right hand will hold me fast. 
You're concerned sometimes about your salvation. You know you've trusted Christ as your Savior. You know you've been born into the family of God, that your sins have been forgiven. And yet, you wonder, but what if, if I don't live the life that he wants me to? What if he's holding us fast in his hands? They shall never perish. I've got a little picture there of a father and his toddler son. And I was just thinking the misnomer sometimes is, as maybe traveling along uneven ground, the father will turn to the child and say, hold my hand, which is just a misnomer because as soon as the hand goes up, the father's hand grasps that hand. He's not really asking the child to hold on to him. He's holding on to the child. Your right hand will hold me fast. Our assurance Our surety of our salvation is in his hands, not in ours. Hands that help. I will strengthen you and help you. I'm just quoting verses that you know well. You've heard them often. But how we need reminded of these hands. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. We stumble a lot. We stumble because we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Or we, we, have, we don't have control of our own lives. And things happen. And we stumble. But we will not fall. Because he upholds us with his hand. Hands that guide. Again, the future is unknown to us. We, we wonder, what, what do I do? How do I do this? Whatever. Hands that guide. Not hands that come behind our plans. But hands that guide us in his plans. Hands that heal. Oh, the disciples would have seen this so often. Remember the, the leper that came to him? No one would touch lepers in those days. A leper came, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I'm willing. Be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. The blind man touched his eyes and gave him his sight. The one who had been blind from birth. And for the first time ever, he could see young woman lying on her bed, lifeless, Jairus' daughter. And Jesus comes and lifts her by his hand and lifts her up. Hands that heal, hands of power, hands that comfort. You remember John on the Isle of Patmos? And Jesus appeared to him there in an incredible um, form of glory in a sense Uh, john tries hard in revelation one to describe it to us he struggles with being able to describe but it was scary john himself writes that he fell at the feet of jesus as though he was dead and jesus placed his right hand on him and said don't be afraid comforting hand when we're going through those difficult times, 
the hand of our Lord Jesus is there. Don't be afraid. He's in control. Hands are blessed. We love that scene when the children came round him and he took those children in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. Not just children. The disciples, as Jesus ascended to heaven, just some days before, Jesus had been telling them that he was going back to heaven and was trying to comfort them in that. Do not let your heart be troubled. He says, I'm going, but I'm going to come back again. They were troubled. But now, as they stand on that mountaintop, and just before Jesus ascends back to heaven, we read, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And then we read that they went back to Jerusalem with great joy, worshiping and praising God. What a difference it had all made because his hands had blessed them. We know that blessing, don't we? That blessing of our salvation, that blessing of God's Spirit within us. So many blessings. Hands that bless. What was it that was so special about those hands that Jesus wanted to show them to his disciples? That Thomas insisted on seeing But the first thing that Jesus showed Thomas was his hands. The more I read it, the more I'm convinced. It wasn't just his hands that Thomas wanted to see. It was the pierced hands. Do you notice that? He says, unless, he didn't say unless I see his hands. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were. And that's exactly what Jesus said to him. Put your finger here. See my hands. It was the the pierced hands that were important to Thomas. Thomas was, he was a Jew. He would have known scriptures. He He probably wasn't a theologian. He probably had not been necessarily to rabbi school or whatever into deep studies and those things, but there were basic scriptures that he would have known and known well. He would have known about a Messiah that would come. David wrote about that in Psalm 22, and that Messiah saying, they have pierced my hands and my feet. And Thomas had seen that happen on the cross. He had seen Jesus being put to death, his hands pierced, his feet pierced, his side, a spear gone through it. Thomas would have seen that. But what good was a dead Messiah? Yes, he was pierced, but he's dead. And when his friends, the other disciples, told him, we've seen the Lord, he's risen from the dead, it wasn't just that Jesus was risen from the dead that was important to Thomas. Those pierced hands, now on a living body, a living Messiah, that would make all the difference. Because he would also have known those verses from Isaiah 53 that we know so well. 
we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. Thomas had probably wondered about that. Is this God punishing Jesus? Was there nothing in all of this? Was he not the Messiah? We considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, that's what would have made all the difference. Pierced hands on a cross on someone who is dead. Don't make a Messiah who can deal with our sin. But a living, risen Messiah with those pierced hands that show that he was dying for our sin, that makes all the difference. I have no doubt that's why Jesus showed them his hands. Why Thomas says, I need to see his hands. Why Jesus showed Thomas his hands. Because in Thomas's mind and in his heart, I believe those words would have been going on and on. Not just he was pierced for our transgressions. Now it becomes personal. And through his mind and through his heart, Thomas would be saying he was pierced for my transgressions, for my sin. It was personal now. Why do I say that? Well, we can see that from his response. When he saw those pierced hands in a living Christ, a living Messiah, his response was, my Lord and my God. I don't think Thomas had ever called him my Lord or my God before. Oh, he had called him Lord probably many times. He's the Lord. But my Lord, because he was pierced for my transgressions, my Lord and my God. For Thomas that day, this was very personal. I wonder if there's some here this morning. And you too have been hearing from your friends or relatives or others about a personal Jesus, about how they've trusted in Jesus and Jesus has forgiven them their sins and has given them a new life, eternal life. And how they're going to be with them in heaven because they're trusting in their own personal Savior. Maybe like Thomas, you're, you're said, that's okay for you. But unless I believe, unless I see. And Jesus holds out his hands to you today. He says, see my hands. They were pierced for your transgressions. Oh, we know he died for the sin of the world. We know he died for our sin. But oh, can't you see as he holds out those hands? He was pierced for your transgressions. It makes all the difference when we know him in that 
personal way, when we're able to come to him in humility, admitting our sinfulness. Maybe that's something we've been running away from. I'm not too bad. I'm okay. I'm hoping to get to heaven. I'm doing the best I can. What more can God ask of me? But no personal Savior, no personal Lord and God, Oh, I believe he's the Lord. I believe in Jesus. I believe my Lord, my God. Thomas saw it that day. Have you seen it? As he holds out his hands. What a difference he makes. This is what, and those who have been saying to you and have been telling you about what happened in their lives, how they trusted Christ as their Savior, and he, he's their personal Savior, like David. He lifted me out of a slimy pit. It's personal for David. Out of the mud and mire, he set my feet on a rock. He's not talking about the world. He's not talking about a group of people. He's talking about himself. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see her in fear and put their trust in the Lord. Is this what you have been hearing and seeing in others? Others who have trusted Christ. And yet you're maybe still standing just that little bit back as Jesus holds out his hands. We need to be careful. I was struck by the words of God in Isaiah 65. He was speaking to his people, Israel and Judah. He says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. Maybe that's you today. You didn't ask for God. You're quite happy with life as it is. Because I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I. Here am I. All day long. I have held out my hands. This morning, Jesus is holding out his hands. See my hands pierced for your sin. God goes on to say, all day long, I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imagination. Maybe where some of us find ourselves this morning, we're pursuing our own imaginations. I think, I believe, I want, I, I, I. God says, I'm holding out my hands to you. Jesus' hands are being held out to you this morning. Hands that were pierced for your transgression. How you say, I don't see his hands. Thomas got to see those hands. Yes, you're right. We don't see physically his hands. Doesn't mean he's not holding out his hands to you. In fact, he said to Thomas, we read it, didn't, didn't he? He said to Thomas, you believe because you saw. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
And there are ones that you know and ones around you, and they have believed. They haven't seen physically as hands, but they know those hands were pierced for their sin. Jesus promised a blessing, blessing of salvation, of sins forgiven, of eternal life, of a home in heaven, of God the Spirit living within us. Oh, and so much more. Because of our response to seeing those hands pierced for our transgressions. I just want to finish with a a serious warning. I've written at the bottom there of sheet from John chapter 3. These are the words of Jesus himself. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. There's a day coming, a day of judgment. And sitting on that great white throne on that day of judgment, God has set his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has put everything in his hands. That book of life, those who have received Jesus as their personal savior and received eternal life will be set into his hands. And he's the one who makes that judgment. And it won't be about how good I was or you were. It won't be about how religious or how often you went to church or read your Bible. It will be what did you do about those hands that were pierced for your sin, your transgressions. Ultimately, our Lord Jesus is in control. And ultimately, it will be his way. But right today, he holds out his hands to you. He says, see my hands. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ and thank you for those hands and all the things you've told us about his hands as we read your word. But Father, this morning we want to thank you for something far, far greater. Those pierced hands. Because like Thomas, we stand in front of him. and We see that that those piercings were for our sin. Father, I pray that your spirit will convict this morning. That there will be ones who, like Thomas, will humbly bow the knee to you, to the Lord Jesus, and ask him to be their personal Savior, their personal Lord, their personal God. Acknowledging their sin. And receiving salvation. Speak, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.